0: So it must be Voices of the Sacred Feminine. I'm your host, uh, Karen Tate, and I am so glad to be with you tonight. And uh, just a little point uh, for your uh, edification. Uh, Recently, a couple of my guests uh, who were calling in from Europe uh, had some time discrepancies. So, I just wanted to tell you up front here, if you were hoping to hear the show about the uh, practice using the Yoni Stones or the show on um, sound as healing uh, and you had problems hearing those shows, Uh, That's because the guests called in at the wrong time, Uh, but we are going to be rescheduling them, so uh, you won't miss it. I know I've gotten emails from a number of you saying you wanted to hear the show. Well, you will definitely be able to just a little bit later on the show calendar. Uh, So thank you for your listener loyalty and for your patience. Uh, It will be rewarded because those guests uh, are going to be calling back in. Uh, And um, if you like that music you were listening to, it is by a group called Zingaya. They're a wonderful group out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, there's something about that particular cut. I just imagine myself on the back of a camel loping across the desert with this huge scarf on my head just flying in the breeze. Of course, it's a cool breeze. We can't have... Too much heat, can we? Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, that's uh, that's the visual I get whenever that music comes on, loping across the desert or on the back of the camel. <sighs> Sounds relaxing, at least uh, uh, I guess from a romantic point of view. Maybe not realistically. Anyway, uh, getting to tonight's show, uh, great show for you tonight, uh, great guest. Uh, I have with me uh, PMH uh, Atwater, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, her lifelong work. Um, she's had uh, three near-death experiences within three months in uh, 1977, uh, which led her to become one of the original researchers in the field of near Death studies. Uh, She's completed 18 books on this and uh, related subjects, with her findings often being verified in clinical settings. Uh, Her work covers nearly 5,000 adult and child experiences uh, of near death experience, and she's the author of Coming Back to Life, Future Memory. And we live forever Uh, Tonight we'll discuss what her research of a lifetime Regarding near-death experiences has taught her With emphasis on near-death experiences in childhood Including uh, if there is memory of activity in the womb Unusual psychic abilities uh, Memories of past lives and much more So uh, anyway, let me just say uh, welcome uh, to PMH I am so glad you're here with me tonight on Voices of the Sacred Feminine.
1: Well, it's a a joy to be with you.
0: Well, uh, it's mutual. Back at you. And, uh, you know, I love this topic. Uh, I really do. I I think there's so much we don't know about our lives as humans. And uh, uh, I think we waste our lives toiling from dusk till dawn. And so many of us uh, never really reflect on uh, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing, how we're connected to the uh, the cosmos out there, the great cosmic web, uh, and we're only using ten percent of our brain um, so I, I just feel like there's so much more there that we've yet to uncover. Uh, including this idea of past lives and near-death experiences, um, I I know a uh, PMH that uh, you know I've watched a lot of documentaries and stuff on this, and uh, it seems like there are a lot of doctors who don't uh, you know who poo-poo this. You know they uh, they don't want to believe that it's really happening. Um, I don't know. I think they say it's a defense mechanism or some such thing. Um, what sort of pushback? Has have you had uh, against this idea of uh, near-death experiences?
1: Well, certainly there's um, pushback, a lot of it in the medical community and in the scientific community, but there exists today enough scientific findings um, to render all of that uh, suspect, because we now know Absolutely, that there is clear, enhanced consciousness, thought, memory, um, the ability to do a great deal when you uh, no longer have breathing, heart heartbeats, um, any, anything that would say that you're quote-unquote alive we We now know scientifically that that is quite false that you can um, continue to to function in in remarkable ways um, you know when, when you seem at least not not to be in or attached to your body you know the 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 heart isn't beating there's no breath there's no brainwave function yet you're still very much alive so um, So we've gone past that point, at least I believe, in um, really legitimate scientific um, dissent. Now, of course, there's still a few out there that are arguing, but yet all of their arguments can be met and proven false. I don't know of one who can't be, although I do know of several that claim they're right, Still, even after all all of the evidence to the contrary. What I'm focusing on this time in the book, The Forever Angels, is that we have not done enough work with child experiencers of the near-death phenomenon. phenomenon. And when I'm talking talking about child, I'm I'm speaking specifically of people who had their near-death experience before during or after birth as a baby a toddler or up to the age of five we've only done cursory work with that so this time i went all the way okay
0: So your book, again, let's uh, make sure we give the title again, and we will uh, several times throughout the show. Uh, Your most recent, and the one we're talking about tonight, uh, The Forever Angels, uh, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. Um, yeah, and this is a this is groundbreaking study that uh, that you've done, um, and uh, I would imagine that this is probably more difficult when you're dealing with uh, children so young. How are uh, you know? I mean, it's hard enough to I guess ascertain it with an adult. Um, you know how do how do you know what's going on in the head of uh, of a toddler? Well,
1: w- w-
2: with
1: this with this particular book it's a combination of two studies the first was done in the 80s and 90s and I was working then with with kindergarteners up to young adults and there are ways you you can work with with the very young people Uh, and I'm trained in that so I had no problem getting a a lot of of information from these young ones and and, and they were uh, from birth to 15 years. Interestingly enough, I got very few um, uh, high schoolers or junior high, even tweens. Most of my cases that came in the 80s and 90s were uh, um, uh, seven, uh, seven years old and under, and of those, I had two large groupings from birth to the age of 15 months and from three to six. So these, these, these young ones, kindergarten and above, they, they have excellent memories. They're able to talk about all kinds of things, and if you're trained in working with kids, you can pick that up. Uh, so these were y- young people, basically, looking forward in their lives this time. the last three years, I did a reverse kind of research, still going for, well, this time specifically, going for children who had, or people who had their near-death experience before, during, or after birth, uh, babies, toddlers, and and this time up to the age of five, specifically five. So I was looking this time for adults, uh, let's say 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Who could verify having had a, an experience during those years? And then I asked them the simple question: um, Did did you having this kind of an experience at those very young ages have any effect on your life? If it did, what? Just, just you know, simple. Um, basically, I was asking for essays. Um, many times. I would have to go back, talk to them on the phone, uh, email them, uh, you know, questions about their replies, but basically asking for essays. So um, this is freewheeling. They could say whatever they wanted to say.
0: So do you think um, they remembered? I, I mean, you know, it seems hard to imagine. I mean, I can't imagine that far back. I mean, I don't. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think I can remember back past, uh, uh, you know, grade school unless it was something traumatic. Do you think they're able to remember this because it is right. an out of the ordinary, maybe traumatic experience?
1: We've had a lot of research done in, in the near death field on memory. And what we have found is invariably no matter how young the experiencer was, they'll they'll remember that lifelong. If for some reason they forgot it, then if that memory should return, then they'll remember that uh, from then on. So there's no problems with memory at all. Uh, Because when you're talking about a near-death experience, you're talking about something that's so dynamic and so... Um, so fully experienced that it's not like a normal experience at all.
0: Right, right. I would imagine. Well, are uh, are are the near-death experiences usually following that same pattern that we hear so much about—the tunnel, the white light, the loved one at the end of the tunnel waiting for you? I mean, it, it, does it follow that pattern all the time?
1: Well, we're talking about adults here. And, and first of all, I want to say that, that the tunnel thing is, is not that frequent. never was. And I think it was 1989, I believe, Gallup Poll did their first scientific study about near-death experiences. And only nine, 9% of the people um, reported anything like a tunnel. Today it's... Um, Covers around one-fourth. One fourth. The, the 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 reason that we have this you know fired in our minds about the tunnel is because um, the media used that to sensationalize Raymond Moody's first book, Life After Life. Um, they they use that tunnel effect that he mentioned in his book to sensationalize the event, but. <laughs> Not that many people, even in the world, um, uh, have have anything like a tunnel. But but the rest of, <laughs> of the you know the rest of the pattern uh, seems to hold true. Um, clearly, the, the most frequent uh, feature is out of body experiences. Next is. Um, um, seeing loved ones who had died and gone on before uh, um, that's very frequent also um, um, uh, um, (laughs) I'm being a little tongue minded here Um, the the rest of the pattern holds true except for that idea about tunnels
0: okay and so now these these deaths of these children, um, and I, I and I, I just want to make sure I, I'm grasping this properly. I mean, they could have had any sort of death, just like in a you know when adults have a near death experience, it could be drowning, car accident, uh, sure. a fall. I mean, it could be absolutely anything, right?
1: Right. Although with children. Uh more, fr- more frequently with abuse issues, drowning, birth difficulties, and high fever.
0: Okay, okay, um, and you know, and I'm really intrigued about the idea that uh, people could remember activity in the womb. Um, speak to oh, that. Oh yeah, that
1: the- is <laughs> surprised all of us. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I have one case here, Penny. You're going to enjoy Penny's case. Um, her mother smoked. And every time her ma- mother thought about smoking, she would get a signal, she, she being still in the womb, uh-oh, ma- Mom's going to get a high. And so she'd prepare herself, and then Mom would smoke. And she would, you know, certainly she would get a high from that smoke and, and kind of groan. or or some kind of displeasure, that her mom did it again. You know, most of our doctors tell pregnant mothers, oh, you don't have to worry about smoking. You know, the baby in the womb won't feel that or see that or be affected anyway. Same way with drinking alcoholic beverages. What I found in my study was wrong. Uh, The child uh, does know they are affected.
0: Well and well and that also reminds me of um, some research a friend of mine did about um you know she said that we could literally uh change this you know we could change the psyche and the outlook of humanity if we just better cared for pregnant mothers uh, because the children if the mother's under stress that affects the you know the brain of the child um yes, so I, I, you're making me th- so you're making me think about, um, you know, we should be talking to that child. That child should feel safe and secure. And, you know, almost as, I mean, as if it's already alive and has been birthed, we should start a relationship uh, while it's in the mother's body and a good, healthy, um, uh, you know, secure, loving relationship.
1: Yes, I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Um so- So I'm I'm curious. I mean, did you have any near-death experiences in the womb?
1: Uh, Me personally, no. Uh, In my research, yes, there were several. Um, In fact, the book is dedicated to Tracy. Tracy had her experience in the womb um, as she was trying to be born. uh, You know, as you know, birth was starting during the time when her mother was trying to commit suicide. So you've got a oh, three pronged wow. effect here. Uh the the baby is still in the womb but birth has started and the mother's trying to commit suicide. Mm. That's a that's
0: a story to read. Um so I'm I'm curious um and 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 I, I and i hope you know i i i hope you don't feel like this is sort of sort of off track but i'm wondering if the birthing act itself that's that's pretty traumatic um do you know it is could that trigger some sort of Uh, near-death experience I mean like especially if the baby can't breathe after it exits the womb or something like that are people remembering their actual birth
1: yeah certainly Uh, especially if if the cord is wrapped around the child's neck you know this kind kind of thing birthing difficulties yes can cause near-death experiences
0: Okay, okay. Um well why don't you tell us some of the stories of these uh these tots, uh, and you know, how you know, how we were able to I guess verify with mom and dad or themselves at some point, uh, about their near death experiences.
1: Well, it's not so much verifying with mom and dad. It's the kid informing mom and dad this is what happened. It's uh, sort of like the shoes on the other foot here because these kids come out, you know, with full memory. Um, when we're talking about, well, let's talk a little bit about the, the case of Star. Star had her um, whole experience pre utero. She was in a room. Now, bear in mind, she's in the womb. Uh, she remembers a room with black living walls there were no words exchanged only thoughts Um, she said we were near the end and I was preparing for my final choice and she chose to be born now she drew a picture of this uh, which is in the book and she had a dark light experience instead of a bright light experience now now children um... Children very often report three lights, not one, three. Um, one of them is this raw, very powerful light doesn't have any special color, it's just raw and powerful there there's one that many children have called the dark light or black light experience many times have has um, purple tinges in it, and there's something about this particular light that's very comfortable and very cozy and very healing the kids love that black light and then there's the bright light some people call it white light maybe with a little silver or gold in it but certainly very very bright and the children um have a term for these lights they call that bright or white light that's father light and the dark or black light that's mother light and they say very clearly, the mother light and the father light come from God's light. And God's light is that very um, almost raw, powerful kind of light that's, that's so over, overwhelming. Um, and, you know, the, the kids are very comfortable with these different kinds of lights, especially that black light.
0: So, um, all right, so aside from these three lights, um, is a child's near-death experience, does it generally differ from an adult's
1: near-death experience? Well, the the, the pattern of the, ex- of the experience and the basic pattern of the after effects are the same whether an adult or a child. The, the, the difference lies in how they're uh, impacted. A child is far more impacted than an adult is, especially if they're very, very young. So those from birth to the age of five, um, they, they were extremely affected by this exper- experience. And you know, we can talk about that as as we go along, uh, but what I want to say here, um, is the pattern of after effects. You know, it's, it's the pattern of after effects that are both physiological and psychological. It's that pattern that, um, that integrates or, or, or that um, uh, has more to do with how the person is able to handle the experience than the experience itself. So when we're looking at adults, An adult will take 7 to 10 years to integrate their experience. You know, I've been around a lot of adults that say, no, I did it quicker. Well, I'm going to say, no, you didn't. (laughs) Really takes a number of years to integrate these experiences because they're so overwhelming and impactful. But for a child, it takes 20 to 40 years to integrate their experience. Wow. Mm-hmm. So much, much, sort of much more effective.
0: <laughs> Uh, so, what sort of an uh impact does this have on uh children i mean and adults i mean you know i've I've seen some adults interviewed who've come back and you know they say, well, now they're not afraid of death, they know something's on the other side, or you know they have this overwhelming sense of service and love and it was basically a very positive experience um but but you know this is you know, this is uh, your expertise, you know, what, um, uh, you know, tell me more about it, you know, uh, adults and children, what, uh, how does this impact someone's life moving forward?
1: Well, adults, it does take them a a while to, um, like I said, to integrate that experience, to get a hold of uh, it, to have have it be a, a very meaningful and positive event in their lives, because they can go through a lot of challenge as well as a child can. Um, you'd, uh, just on my website, www.pmhatwater.com, on the, on the front page, the first page, there's a special section called NDE After Effects. And I, I really urge anybody, any adult, or, or in fact anyone, to get into that section um I call it first aid for <laughs> first aid for experiencers that really help you deal with all of the after effects. A child is different. Bear in mind, Karen, that most of these cases are happening um before. I mean I, I, it's like they they had no real before so their idea of before is long before there's any such thing as a human being, any such thing as life on the earth. Their idea of a of a before is a life continuum. So they're not relating many of them to life on earth, mom, dad, brother and sister, schools, this kind of thing. Um, they really, they really. Don't relate to the idea of being a human being. they're bonding to the other side, not this side. Um, in In my research of children, ninety percent did not bond to, cher- to their parents. They bonded to the other side.
0: So what is that so what does that mean? I mean, how do you bond to the other side?
1: Well, but they're still there in essence, and 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 they're trying to figure out, you know, what is this place? <laughs> what is Earth? You know, what is having a uh, a body? You know, um, how do we handle this body? How do we handle mom and dad, brothers and sisters, going to school, having friends? Um, so that this is their big challenge. Is okay. <laughs> I'm in a place I haven't been before, or at least for, not for a long time. So what do I do while I'm here? And, um, you know, in that challenge of what do I do now, um, they run into all kinds of instances, especially with mom and dad, uh, because, and, you know, brothers, they think differently. They no longer really fit their own family. They're like a child apart. The this is, the siblings, for instance, will tease them and say, "Oh, you came from another planet. You know, you don't belong in our family. I mean, you're alien. You're different. You know, we don't want any part of you." Um, and, um, and they're able to. Um, well, they know more than their parents do. They know more than their their school teachers do. They know more than their friends do.
0: But, they, but dare I say they might not have processed that yet. They're they're trying. They're they're having difficulty achieving normalcy. Maybe we can call it. Um, you know that the average person who hasn't had the NDE. Um, And it's Well like you said Sort of the after effects of that So they're they're detached um, And that detachment um, Sets them apart And uh, they feel it And everybody around them feels it
1: Um, Very much They are very challenged With um, You know Life is always Life around them you know the the lives that they um, are supposed to live they're very challenged by that um they have eighty two percent come into very difficult family situations uh um eighty four percent come back very empathic seventy five percent come back highly intelligent um you know, I can I can go on and on with percentages that are just going to you know really surprise you. So,
0: so do we know why? Um, why has that uh, near death experience triggered these unusual? Um, I'm just going to call them conditions, and I don't mean that in a negative way, obviously. Um, do, do we have any idea um, how how that's triggered?
1: Well, your, yours truly is is the sole person at this point in time that, uh, that's sort of screaming and yelling, we need to have our neurologists, we need to have our scientists, we need to have doctors looking at this because I have all kinds of, of uh, conditions and situ- situations that must be looked at and have not been. Uh, it, another one most of these kids are abstracting by the first grade children abstracting by the first grade they're dealing with broad conceptual, conceptual styles of thinking let me give you an example there's this one boy in Georgia he's in the first, first grade, he drowns um, halfway through school when he's back in school, when he's able to be back in school You know as well as as I do that most of the kids in the the first grade are reading C, Spot, Run, Dick and Jane. This kid comes back reading Greek mythology and understands it, and goes up to his teacher and says, "Why was the book Robinson Crusoe ever written?" Well, the teacher's in a state of shock. She had, had to take him out of his class. Uh, This child is abstracting. There is no school in the United States that can deal with first graders who can abstract. This is a learning reversal, and I talk a lot about learning reversals in the book. We need to do research on this. We need to do deep research on this, and we have not.
0: So it's like um, the near-death experience flips a switch, and yes. um, I, I think it's intri- it, it's intriguing because if we knew how to flip that switch, if we could make that happen artificially, um, then maybe suddenly we're we're all using a lot more than ten percent of our brain.
1: Absolutely. Um, bear in mind again most of these experiences are, experiences are happening uh, before. You know, before, before, before. So, so therefore, um, the, the, the kids are, are, are uh, well, take a look. It's happening at a time wh- when the basic flooring is being laid in the brain uh, for for uh, consciousness, uh, brain processing, um, um, all kinds of functions of the of the nervous system, the digestive system, all of this flooring is being laid in the brain. So this power punch—that's what I call it—of a near-death experience is hitting at a time. When the the original flooring, the basic flooring is just being laid, so these kids are being flipped around, and you you can see right. it with intelligence, you can see it with response, you can see it. I mean, their parents don't know how to handle them.
0: Right, right, yeah, because they're not average kids anymore. You know, uh, no, I, uh, they're they're. I can. Right, right, right um this is uh, this is really intriguing uh p m um, h uh, we're going to come back uh, after a quick uh, after a quick message here and uh, I want to talk more about um, you know some of these experiences and also uh you know maybe get into some of the uh, the spiritual aspects you know um, what you know what do we come away knowing uh, you know that sort of thing uh, but uh, but we'll do that uh, in just a second, and uh, we'll be right back.
2: Hello, let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of earth based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is Drusilla Pettibone on DearMist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example, The info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was very beautiful, and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow, a visual feast and with so many layers I am also pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage. It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com.
0: to a clip from uh, the trailer for Joe Carson's film Dancing with Gaia and as she said uh, Dancing with Gaia is available only at the website dancingwithgaia.com. So, uh, I am chatting uh, tonight uh, with uh, PMH Atwater, uh, author of many books, uh, but tonight we're focused on uh, The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. Um, So, PMH, um, I I want to, you know, talk a little bit about um, what they come back with aside from the enhanced intelligence or maybe the the psychic abilities um, do they have knowledge of past lives and what is this idea of a life continuum you know what can they tell us that we don't know as humans until we pass over to the other side
1: well to really get into that if you will permit me, I would like to focus again on intelligence because that's going to open the door to where you want to go. Okay. From, from, from birth to, let's say, across the board in the first study, those, uh, you know, when they're finally old enough to take the standard IQ tests. um are scoring between 150 to 160. When they're under six years, 81% are scoring between 150 to 160. That's way into the genius uh, range. But those between birth and 15 months, the very tiniest of the tiny, especially if they had a dark light experience, when they're old enough to take the standard IQ test, They're scoring 180 and above. The younger the child, the greater the jump in IQ. So let's take a look at the younger the child, the greater the jump in IQ. What are they responding to? What are they seeing? What are they aware of? Now, with many of them, and their, their drawings are, and their stories and drawings are in the book. Uh, relate to past lives. They'll draw pictures of the past lives. They'll um, some of them are, will even talk about several past lives. But the majority, and this surprised me, it will probably surprise you as well. The majority were not interested in past lives at all the majority were still part of the life continuum. That idea of a life stream that flowed along and as it made it would make a little dip now and then, each dip was a life, come right back up, flowed along, then make a little dip, and then flows along again. So the the idea of dips, what we call a life, a life on planet Earth, for instance, they, they just call a dip in the live stream. In other words, it wasn't th- that much of an interest to the majority. To some, yes. The majority, no. Um, if, if you wanted to get an idea of the spiritual dimensions or the really powerful dimensions, then I want to talk about some of my different experiencers. I had a number that were raised in voodoo, uh, the, the voodoo religion. They, they had no idea what the Bible was, never heard the name Jesus, never heard the name Christianity, strictly voodoo. Um, all three of these were visited during their near-death experience by Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. They knew Jesus' name. Where did they get that? I don't know, but they did. There were a number also that were brought into this world by their parents for the only reason of being sacrificed during satanic cults. So these were satanic cults. And, you know, bringing babies into the world for the only purpose of of ritual and sacrifice. Um, This one case, Judy, um, had 17 near-death experiences around and before the age of nine years. Her first was at four weeks of age. She was constantly tortured again and again and again if you want to talk about the spiritual uh, aspect and what can be learned from these experiences, Uh, here's what Judy said. Um, Now a, a fully grown woman, married, children of her own. Now looking back, of course she had a lot of therapy. Of course she did a lot of things to finally get her mind together and figure out what was going on. Believe it or not, she got the most help from yoga. I find that interesting. Yes, meditation. Yes, mindfulness. But especially yoga. And um, this is quoting Judy. All of my experiences in this life, whether they appear to be dark or light, are expressions of love. Experiences of searching for love. I came into this life with a purpose. This was not known to me until much later in my life, or I would not have been able to truly know the experiences as they were in the moment. What I know today has brought everything full circle. Just just think about that. So this is a, a kind wow. of of spirituality. Yeah, wow, great depth.
0: So so PMH, this life continuum in the dips. Um, can do we dare use the label um, immortal soul there for the life continuum? This is the our essence, our soul, if you will. Um, that uh, it, you know continues to reincarnate and reincarnate and reincarnate.
1: Well, you and I, you can, I, you and I can assume that, but none of them sp- spoke, spoke like that. Rather, their awareness was of a stream of 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 consciousness, um, the life continuum. They didn't think in terms of soul. They didn't think in terms of spirit. They used the term uh, uh, flowing with the stream. So it, it was a slightly d- different um, um, way of looking at it than you or I might use, but that, that was their perception, that, that they were consciousness, they, they didn't use the word soul. That they were consciousness flowing with a stream of consciousness. So it's a, it's a slightly so, different way of looking at it.
0: Well, it it's, it sounds more scientific in a sense. It it sounds more like energy, um, which makes sense. Um, so there so there was no particular talk of. Uh what the other side is like, heaven, God, any of those uh constructs that um you know we imagine
1: well some um a lot of them use the word god g o d um more of them use the uh the term home uh, a big h o m e <laughs> not little big. <laughs> And and to them, it wasn't heaven; it was home. And they called it home, not not again, not like you or I would say heaven. They would say home. This is where they belong. This 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 is them. This is home.
0: Well, and and I'm I'm per, you know it, it's almost. Um, it, you know, uh, kind of opposites, because one of them is talking about Jesus with no background to know Jesus, but yet it seems like some of them are really in this sort of universal place that doesn't have a religious uh, label or religious connotations, you know, they're flowing energy. Well, and, for, it, them, is that right? for them, for yeah. them...
1: Uh, for them um Jesus wasn't necessarily religious um again, they don't use terms like we do uh, right so to understand um their heart to understand what they are conveying to us uh, try to get into that rhythm of 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 being uh, um part of that consciousness that's flowing in a stream of consciousness. And to them, that's home. To them, that's perfection. For, to them, that's love. Uh, to, to them, that that's everything. And and so to to, to live on the earth plane in a, in a body with, you know, two arms, two legs, and a head, um, that's kind of interesting, <laughs> kind of clever. Uh, for those who remember past it, lives... You know, that sets. but those who um, have no memory of past lives, um, the idea of wearing this body is, is kind of unique. Hmm.
0: So, um, all right, so is there a way to recognize someone who uh, might have had one of these early near-death experiences? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the, I, I give, I have a whole chapter on markers where um, I give a lot of, um, you know, ideas, markers. Uh, for for instance, if you want me to just share yes, a bunch yes. of them. Yes, um, school of Problem, Boredom, Very Intelligent, Drawn to the Spiritual, Spirit Worlds, Prayerful Settings. They do love prayer, by the way. Many see ghosts, disincarnate spirits, obsessive drive to accomplish tasks and projects, can be mission-oriented as the years passed, no sense of time or money, get want a home that is theirs, prefer open windows, open closets, open doors, tend to angle off placements, design, furniture, non-traditional relationships yet they want a marriage that lasts, or a partnership that lasts. Absorption tendencies, the ability to merge with, disassociation tendencies, the ability to detach, special relationship with electricity, Um, need to be careful around lightning, earthquakes, tornadoes, refrain from living near electrical power stations, can be hypersensitive to pharmaceuticals and drugs, May search for heaven or missing worlds lifelong. Truth, very important, meaning. Can be withdrawn or quiet, a keen observer. Could have uh, challenges with depression and suicidal thoughts. Healers, service-oriented, decidedly independent, inventive, clever. Uh, But but many tend to be (laughs) kind of quiet. Goes on and on and on.
0: Right, it sounds like it. So let me ask you two quick questions here. Um, You know, with some of the interviews I've seen with adults who've had near-death experiences, it seems typical that they say, well, now they're not afraid of death because they know there's something on the other side. Um, I'm wondering if that's typical uh, from your studies. And also, have they ever talked about something that might mean parallel universes?
1: Talking about parallel universes, um, no, not as children. Maybe when they're older, they okay. might talk about it, but um, not in my book. Um, okay. The idea of suicide, um, yes, that's a big issue. Uh, and in fact, it's a bigger issue than anybody ever ever thought, especially in in near death work. In my first study with the young looking forward, uh, suicidal ideation was 21%, which is high. With the older ones looking backward, the suicidal uh, ideation uh, was 74%. The older they got, uh, the more that became an issue, and 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 that's with many of these who uh, went went on to live what you and I would call a successful life some became millionaires i have a whole chapter in the book on this ptsd versus ndes because um this idea of wanting to go back home or homesickness that's really the pro- pro- uh, the propellant here that so they, so they the side, that. so the suicide...
0: so so, so they 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 want to go back to their energy body, their their that that state before birth. Um, it, well, they, call they it would home. feel like they would be more happy. All right, so they want to go home rather live this life in this, you know, this um, right body right. that we have. They're sort
1: okay. of stuck here.
0: Okay. Right. 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 Um, so, what happens when a child experiencer meets an adult experiencer? Is is that like kind of like oil and water, or instant um, bonding, or what?
1: Well, originally years ago, I thought that would be very healthy and wonderful, and and just extremely helpful. Um, and, and we tried it; it didn't work. Um, and I now know why with with this group looking backward I could then see how uncomfortable child experiencers were around adult experiencers uh, very uncomfortable in fact I didn't even like to be around them and we're finding that at these large near death conferences that are held I just got back from one that was held near the um Philadelphia and um largest one we've had yet around four hundred and eighty people attending, and the child ex- experiences that that were there really uh you know voted in mass that uh, they much prefer being around their own kind rather than adults because hold on to this because it is you know it seem weird to me. Because adults keep talking about love and light. They keep talking about life after death. And both of those topics have no meaning or little meaning to the average child experiencer. They think that's silly. What they want to talk about is what can they do to better their lives? What can they do to be more productive? What can they do to be uh, more easy or more spiritual or more comfortable in this life? Uh, what they, What can they do uh, to make a difference in this world? They, uh, uh, they're really oriented toward making a difference in this world, and so many of them, get this, 93% are drawn to and highly proficient in math, science, and history
0: hmm. well you you wrote a book about the indigo children, and I have to confess, I don't know much about the indigo children other than I know they're supposed to be some special, highly advanced kids um or indigo you know are they always near death experienced children, or sometimes no, you no, no 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 I mean, it... <laughs> no
1: no. <laughs> Okay. Um, the book was called Beyond the Indigo Children. And it, it was it was my way of, of of asserting that all of the all of the all of these different names we suddenly had for children like like indigo or crystal or starseed or on and on and on. If you take those labels and toss them just throw them out the door. But yet, take the characteristics those labels supposedly described, take all those characteristics and bunch them together, then you have the new kids. Swells of them coming in since about 1980, 1983, and still coming in, and in fact becoming more so. This is a very different kind of um, child very different kind of human being that they simply do not think like adults do. Uh, They're very attuned to helping the world, to making a difference in the world. They operate very differently. Are they like near-death kids? Well, kind of, sort of, but mostly not. And so I, I wrote the whole book about that. Uh, children of the Fifth World. These are the newcomers. That's the name of the book, Children of the Fifth World.
0: So, what uh, what are they here to do? Um, I hate to get off topic. Here, really, but you to keep my really yeah,
1: help. Yeah, really to help the Earth and to make it a, okay. a, and a, make a difference in society.
0: So, are they the uh, the millennials of today or?
1: yes, you could say the millennials or uh i i think our, our newspaper reporters call them generation z maybe uh x y z <laughs> well not x it would be y z okay okay yeah um
0: yeah well, but, we're but, almo- we're almost out of time we're almost out oh of time here, PMH. Um, uh, I, I know it goes by so quickly. Um, is there anything we should know that I haven't thought to ask you, or I haven't maybe fully understood, and you want to make a point? And if, and uh, after that, if you feel comfortable, I'd love to know a little bit about uh, your own near-death experience, if you feel comfortable sharing it.
1: <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> that's a that's a lot in very little time. Um, first of all, let me say to everybody who's listening, please get the book, The Forever Angels. There is so much in there that we haven't even talked about, including the silver cord and soul and all this kind of stuff. Um, as for me, I, you know, I, well, hey, folks, I, <laughs> I was on my way to being a, a bank manager when I was raped, became pregnant. Um, my dear death experiences came from complications with the pregnancy Um, I had uh, three near-death experiences in three months in 1977 and that same year I had three major relapses so I had the privilege in this lifetime of rebuilding an old house that is to say I had to relearn how to crawl stand run climb stairs tell the difference between left and right see properly, hear properly and rebuild all my belief systems which mean, uh, means I had this the privilege of um, becoming a new person <laughs> um, in my third near-death experience I was told by what I call the voice like none other no it wasn't an archangel no it wasn't a guide or a and it was beyond that it was a voice so big it's a whole universe and, um, and it said and I quote test revelation you are to do the research one book for each death it showed me what that meant uh, book, num- uh, book number one was not named book two was named that's future memory book three was named That's a manual for developing humans, Um, and I've been doing the work that I was told to do for 43 years, still doing it.
0: Wow um it it's it's there's so much there and so much more we could talk about uh you 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 know you're you're i feel like you're dangling these 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 precious delicious carrots uh in <laughs> front of us uh pmh uh but you know I, we're just going to have to go get your books so uh, the one we talked about tonight, uh, The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. Uh, your others were Coming Back to Life, Future Memory, We Live Forever, The New Children and Near-Death Experiences and Beyond the Indigo Children. And well, that's those, just the some first of ones that you mentioned, that's just some of that's them. Just, you have that's 18 some books. Of yeah, that's just some so, of them. Um, so, so they're all in the in the normal places uh, i mean like we could go to amazon and put in your last name at water and uh, find of all are. of your books there
1: some of them are the uh, the best way is to go to my website at com. i do have a book department um, so most of them are still available in one place or another some of them is through me not all of them, um, but some of them still are. And uh, you can get my—you can sign up for my free monthly newsletter on my website. And I i tell everybody it's just for the curious. You know, if you're not curious, don't bother. <laughs> but if you're curious, you're gonna like my my newsletter. So
0: um PMH what what would you say is the most profound thing either yourself or what you've learned from your research you know what is the most important or profound thing this um this knowledge has has taught you
1: Ah It has taught me how incredible we are each one of us the self how powerful and how wonderful we are and to disrespect that to me is the ultimate crime
0: yep i hear you uh we we, so many of us so devalue uh the other uh and uh you know i think it's uh I guess it's too simple to call it ignorance or arrogance, um, but it's it's certainly not a reverence for life or a reverence for, um, you know, the big picture of, you know, what we've yet to discover right. about ourselves as, as life.
1: If you recognize how wonderful you are, you're not going to attack somebody else.
0: It's not going to happen. You're probably. You're probably right. You're probably right. Well, um, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, I just wish we had more time. I know there's... there's so much more to say, but you are just a fount of information. Uh, thank you for listening to that voice and uh, making this research your life's work. I mean, I, I think if, if you do nothing else, you know, you've taught us that when we close our eyes and everything goes black, that's not the end. And if that's the only thing we get, and, and there's so much more, but even if that were the only thing we get, I mean, that is a huge service to humanity. So thank you so much much. Well, here's the biggie.
1: Next week, I turn 83. Happy birthday. Yeah, I think that's so big. I think that's so wonderful. And I have three more books I want to write, much more research, much more travel. Yeah, yeah. Um, Life just gets better and better.
0: Well, I think you're going to be around for a really long time because uh, you're motivated to get this done. And no doubt when you finish that third one, you're going to be inspired to do another. So uh, I, I think we're going to have you with us for quite a while. I'll remember <laughs> your that, words. That, that, that is, <laughs> <laughs> that's our treasure. Um, thank you, PMH. Um, thank you, thank you for being on the show tonight. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Judy. Bye-bye. Bye,
0: everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, listeners, uh, that about does it for tonight. And uh, just a reminder, if uh, you didn't hear the opening uh, when I mentioned um, we had some difficulties with some previous guests who were calling in from uh, Europe, and they got confused with the time difference. Uh, So if you were hoping to hear uh, a few of those folks, uh, the Wailu uh, Mace, who was going to talk about the Yoni Stones um, and, and uh, the practice of using the Yoni Stones, which I thought is uh, rather intriguing, uh, and also, um, you know, healing through sound, um, you know, which is another intriguing subject. Uh, have no fear. Uh, they will... Uh, be back on the show. We, you know, we have not lost them. Uh, Lila Mace uh, is going to be with me November 20th, so right before Thanksgiving, and um, Dawn Crystal, who's talking about sound healing, will be the week before. So in November, they uh, they will return. Also, uh, if you're trying to reach me, uh, my website is um, karen.tate. Uh, dot uh, com now. Uh, instead of uh, KarenTate.net, or did I say that backwards? Now I'm confused. I'm confusing myself. Anyway, um, if uh, you don't find me at one, try the other. <laughs> uh, because a year ago I lost my website and it was held for hostage, and uh, I was not going to pay the outrageous amount they wanted, uh, uh, you know, in order for me to get it back again. So I started from scratch, and I feel like the new website actually is a better reflection of me and my work. Anyway, so they did me a favor. Um, also, too, if you'd like to reach me personally, uh, my email address is KarenTate108 uh, at yahoo.com. Uh, And please, uh, if uh, this show has been uh, of benefit to you, if it has been one of the springs that feeds you, uh, I do invite you to please go to my website, uh, and uh, there is a button down there by my bio that allows you to make a contribution. Uh, Now that I am retired and I don't have the income I once did, uh, it greatly helps me uh, continue to do my work and to keep the show on the air, uh, because the guests don't pay to be on The show, Um, I pay for the airtime in order to bring uh, these fascinating subjects that I hope um, expand us as humans. uh, You know, to uh, the world. You know, obviously these are not topics you will find, uh, you know, in the mainstream news. So, uh, that about does it for me, uh, for tonight. Um, uh I will be back with you uh next week and I'm trying to see the name of my guest. Uh yeah, I will have uh, Emily uh, Slingluff with us. Uh and uh I look forward to um uh, speaking to her and, um, and I just want to close uh, By saying thank you so much For your listener loyalty uh, You have always been and continue to be The gas in my tank that keeps me going Alright Talk to you soon Good night